Welcome to the 1 million euro stories. I am Eris. I shine a light on female founders who raise capital, especially a half million euros and up. I am welcoming our guests to the studio. Welcome. Introduce yourself. Uh, hi, um, thank you for having me. Um, my name is uh, Sandra van Dees and I'm the founder of The Social Handshake. Yeah, I'm really enthusiastic about to hear more about The Social Handshake. What is it all about? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll take one step back um, uh, to give you like a little bit of uh, the origin of The Social Handshake. Um, originally, I come from the charity sector, so I did many projects in India, in Sudan, in Indonesia. Um, and then I actually also wanted to see the other side, the flip side, like because I was on the side where we needed lots of money, of course, for projects. But I wanted to learn more about what does the company life look, look, look like? I mean, how does it look like where people actually make money? Um, so I went into business, uh, I became a strategy consultant, did that for five years. And there I noticed around me that there are so many people who are working in business, but all have this feeling that I want to do more. I want to contribute more. Um, and then often quite soon after that, they say, well, you know, then I think about it, but life happens or it slips my mind. Um, so a lot of people who actually want to do more and there's a huge amount of potential there. So I thought, why don't we make it a whole lot easier for people to contribute more to a better world? Because um, then we can obviously use that unmet potential for a better world. So um, that's when we founded the Social Handshake. Um, our goal is to make doing good easy. And we provide payroll giving in the Netherlands, um, which is a possibility to support charities straight from your salary uh, and also with a tax advantage and also other sorts of giving through your company. So if I hear you, you just, you started out in a charity. Yeah. And had like a lot of experience there. What, when did that point came that you need, you wanted to shift to business? Because that are two separate, sometimes feel separate worlds kind of thing, the profit and the non-profit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think um, for me, I was, I was always on the side where I knew why we needed the money. Um, so, for example, in Sudan, in Darfur, we were working on independent media and you cannot ask refugees to pay to get independent media. Um, so I knew that it was so important um, that we need funding and this is often philanthropy funding um, for our projects. Um, and I was just curious, I guess. I, I really wanted to see the other side and find out what I could learn there. And always with the idea in mind that at one point I would go back to my sector um, and see if I could bring it to use in my own sector. I never thought at that point that it would be the social handshake, what it is now. Um, but I always thought, okay, I want to learn from the other side and then come back to this sector and see how I can use that. And how did you make the transition then for yourself from leaving the nonprofit and just going into business? Yeah, uh, well... Uh, from origin, I'm a mathematics uh, girl. I'm, I'm good at mathematics. And I figured that as a strategy consultant, I could probably 
learn most uh, about uh, company life and see many companies from the inside. Um, and luckily, I knew a few women who were a few years above me in high school who were strategy consultants. So I just asked them about the job and um, then figured I'd apply. Mm. Interesting we- way. Definitely is. So then you just moved to business and you were there. How long, how long did you, um, uh, how did you work for, how long did you work for as a strategy uh, consultant? In the end, I did that for five years. I didn't expect in the beginning, I would say for so long, but it, life just happened and I enjoyed my work. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in the end, I stayed there for five years. Wow. And where in those five years that that feeling came that you wanted to do something more uh, than you were doing there? Yeah, I think I think quite soon already because I was already leaning towards more public sector related project or, or projects within uh, um, strategy consultants. Um, so I already knew quite quickly that I was trying to find more meaning, um, uh, purpose related projects. Um, but I think after four, four and a half years, um, I switched on the television and it was a very vivid moment for me. Uh, I saw all these images from Syria on the television. I think very comparable what we can see now sometimes of Ukraine. And I just knew it really struck me. And I had this feeling that I wanted to do something, but also the realization that I was hardly contributing to a better world anymore. And that was very confrontational for me because I used to be a charity girl. So um, I thought, wait, how, how did this happen? That I, I, and I figured, okay, I've been busy. I have a busy job. I have a family. Um, but also, like, had it been easier, at least I would have kept on doing something. Um, so I think it was also a solution I was trying to find for myself. And then I started talking about it with people around me. And I heard so many times that people have the same experience, that they wanted to contribute more to society. So then I thought, okay, wait, this is not just something that's happening with me, but a lot of people are busy in that phase in their life where you're, you know, you have a busy job, you're getting married, you're getting kids or whatever life is asking of you. Um, So yeah, focus on making it easier. And I think also making it easier, I think it's for, for every product. I mean, I'm applying this to the charity sector, but we can see it across the board, you know, like uh, with Airbnb and making it easy to rent uh, from other people and stay in their houses. With Uber, they're making it easy to get a cab. I hardly ever took a cab, but with, when Uber was there, all of a sudden I took a cab a lot more often because it was so easy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's what thing with platform economics is being applied a lot to make it easier to shop and all these other commercial things. Why not make it easier for people to contribute more to a better world. Um, so I guess that was that was the, the task I set on myself. Yeah, and, and if you say to contribute to a better world and that you, for you, that means then giving money to a charity or yeah. how can I? Yeah, of course there are different ways of contributing to a better world. And I always look at it, one is the thing is do less harm. And the other one, one is contribute more to a better world. And I think both are necessary. Um, our focus is on contributing more to a better world. And there are different ways of doing that. For example, there's some people volunteer. This can also be in corporate life. And typically we see that people, when they start working, 
like one, two years, they do volunteering and then they stop because life gets more busy. And it's, it's, it also takes, it asks quite a lot of people. Um, and giving, it's a lot easier, but I also know from the charity sector that in most cases, it's, it's a lot more effective. Um, so actually that's a win-win. It's easier and it's more effective. So, um, and I mean, having worked in business for five years, effectiveness is one of the things that I, of, cor- of course I care about. Um, so yeah, I think giving is, is a very good way uh, of contributing to a better world. So then you just came up with that idea. You were talking to people and you were hearing the same stories that they also wanted to give and to contribute. When was that point that you were, okay, I'm going to pursue this seriously? Yeah, uh, I think that was a journey, really. Um, uh, so I, I started talking about this idea and then like looking more into it, I found out that actually payroll giving already is a thing abroad. It already exists in America and in the UK. Um, and we didn't have it yet in the Netherlands. And I, I, in the beginning, I just started talking with people around, about it. Also see if the idea resonates, but also see how, how can we make it feasible? So what, what would we need for funding? What would be possible for the legal aspects of it? And there's a whole range of like HR, uh, uh, talking with people from HR. Uh, who, who would have to implement a uh, payroll giving for their companies just to find out, okay, is this a feasible idea? Um, and then at one point, I, I, I was so enthusiastic about this idea that I just couldn't motivate myself anymore for my current work. So um, that's when I said, okay, um, I decided to quit my job um, and I gave myself half a year to figure out if I could like pull this off. And I thought, okay, I'm going to give it all for half a year. And if after half a year, I'll decide, okay, is this something that I can continue or do I need to find a new job again? Mm-hmm. So how does that half a year go when you just said, okay, I'm just going to quit. Now I'm just going to look at it. What were the steps you were taking? Yeah, um, I think I think for everybody, those steps are different because I have talked with a lot of entrepreneurs since. Um, for me, it was in the beginning talking with a lot of people um, and um, uh, working a lot on mission vision because uh, I knew that, that that's that's the core of our company um, and yeah so what what are what you're really striving for uh, also are we really making that impact that we want to make is it really like a better alternative to what there is already. So really very, being very critical. Um, and I also um, did a like a three-month business model challenge from Impact Hub, um, which is like one day or half a day or week. But it just gives you like, it touches upon finance, it touches upon legal, it touches upon um, mission vision, it touches upon your business case, it touches upon... So just to walk through everything. Um, and I think... Yeah, so that, that, that was what I did the first year. And the point for me was that I needed to know how can we uh, get funding for this to make it grow because it's it's FinTech in the end. Um, so you need to like build this whole financial structures. You need to build a platform. Um, so I knew at that point that we were going to need quite some funding in order to build this, right? Uh, yeah. And 
funding needs to be upfront before you can get like your first revenues. So um, when I had the first investors that said, we are interested in investing, um, that's when I knew, okay, we can make this work. But how did you come to your first investors? Yeah, so um, I think one of the things you're good at when you're a strategy consultant is building PowerPoint decks. Um, and um, so we had our plan at that point by talking with all these people and going through all this process, we had a plan and we put it in a PowerPoint deck. And uh, in the very beginning, I talked with informal investment services from ABN AMRO um, and showed, showed them our ideas. I like, this is our business model. This is, this is uh, the idea that we have. And then they invited me for a pitch event a sustainability pitch event and I could pitch in front of I think it was a crowd of like 100 or 150 potential investors um, and a few of them came up to me and said hey we're interested so that was uh, that was a good start yeah and in the pitch event did you win the pitch it wasn't it wasn't an election so it was with <sighs> Five, five different pitches um, and it was mainly to give these uh, investors from the informal investment services an idea of what, what are the kind of companies they can invest in. Um, uh, so I think for not all of us, but for most of the pitches, there were a, a few investors who were interested in investing. Okay, so for this pitch event, you just pitch. There are investors in, in yeah, they're sitting there and they can let you know if they want to invest in your yeah. idea. Well, and it's not, it's not like, okay, you have a pitch of five minutes and say, I want yeah. this. <laughs> then, then of course you have your first conversations and you dive yeah. more deeply into your business case and everything. But that, that's absolutely starting points. Also, you had more time because I've talked to different female founders and some of them had like pitching events where you just have like maybe five minutes or so oh. at a time. At the pitch on. event was five minutes, but it's uh, after the pitch event, the investors come up to you, and then is when the real talk starts. Of course, uh, I mean you cannot you you have you have like a pitch of five minutes. You cannot dive into your numbers uh, at a pitch event. So it, of course there's a there's a longer tra- trajectory from there. Yeah, I understand what you mean because the pitch is just to make people interesting in what you were doing and catching I attention. Did. Yeah. yeah. So when they came up to you, um, how was that for you when they were coming up to you asking your questions about your pitch? Well, it was interesting because it was almost all men. Um, and I was also the only female who was pitching. So in the beginning, they came up to me to ask for coffee, uh, if I could get them a cup of coffee because they assumed I must be some of the staff because it was female. <laughs> So that was in the beginning of the pitch event. And then after they had seen me on stage, then of course they all said, ah, okay. Um, okay, so, and then they started talking about my business. Um, yeah, and I think after that event, there were with three that I was closer into contact with. Um, and then you just talk it through. And instead of five minutes, you have like a meeting of like 45 minutes, or maybe an hour where you have your Excel with your business model and you go through it in more detail. Um, and then of course, there's also this, these terms negotiations because 
they all have different terms. Um, so, um, yes, yeah, so that's, that's actually how that process uh, goes. How was the term negotiation for you? Because it's like, you know, it's just your first startup, so it's new. Yeah. So how did you go about with the terms? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I'm very lucky that I have people in my surroundings Um, who are also um, uh, entrepreneurs and who have already had some experience. So I, there are people I could ask questions. Um, my sister, uh, she has uh, built up her own company and sold it again. So she had some experience. And actually one of the people at the pitch event, he came up to me and he said, I'm just an intro to say here. Um, I'm, not, I'm not an investor. But I do know a lot about terms. So when you get to that phase and you want some advice, you can always call me. And he gave me my card. And he's actually been a really good advisor ever since then. Um, so that was also really nice because he could he has so much experience and could really give us some good advice. Um, um, yeah, so it, but it, it, of course, it's a bit daunting. And then you have also, I, I, I turned the question around at one point because they were asking us, what are your terms? And I mean, seeing I was so new, I just turned it around and asked, like, what terms would you propose? Um, so then I had like a few different versions uh, of, of, of how would they value our company, but also what's on, under what terms, like literally. Um, so that also gave me some good, good insights as well. Yeah, because I've heard from female founders that sometimes, like you said, it's daunting when you don't know about the terms that you definitely need people around you who yeah. know that, who can help you and inform you, you know, what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And you say the time we, so that means you have a whole team <laughs> when I hear you talking. No, so in the beginning it was, it was actually just me um, because I started this off on my own. Um, But very soon, there were already a few people who I was talking with who were enthusiastic about it um, and have actually kind of stayed on board. So, for example, um, our current CTO, um, he, is, he, has, he has other job. He has had his other job his whole, this, this whole time, but he was already involved from a very early stage. And I mean... I know nothing about the tech. Well, I know quite a bit about it now, but in the beginning, I mean, we were building a fintech company and my, my tech knowledge is lacking. So, um, and he is like a super smart guy, uh, like magna cum laude in university. And he's been like a software engineer for I don't know how long. So um, he's not the one who's building everything for us, but he can check if the work is being done well. He can check if it's a good proposal. He can... Uh, do great interviews when we hire people so and he was already involved from a very early start saying hey i believe in this idea if you're going to make it happen i want to i want to stay on board um then also uh we had some somebody else who was like knows a lot about um uh, secondary benefits from her expertise field and i think for her it was a bit different saying that okay when this flies because it's not it's it's not as easy for everybody to quit the job and not have income for some time. So, but she was already on board in a way that she was involved. And I knew that once we would have the funding that she would want to really step on board. So that was also really good. So our, I, I kind of had a team and also some, I already also some, some interns who were already like working with me. So I, I had a team in a way, even though they were not full time, 
they were already quite involved. And later on, of course, um, we built the team. And at this point, I think we're like 10 full-timers. Oh, yeah, that's good to hear because you need all kinds of expertise surrounding you to make it happen. Yeah. Like you said. So how much did you raise uh, in the beginning after the pitch? Yeah, in the very first round, I raised 60,000. And that was, looking back, I should have raised more in the beginning because I could have raised more. But I don't know. I just thought, okay, you have to start lean and mean. Um, and clearly, uh, I thought, well, it, it always costs more than you anticipate in the beginning. And, um, so, uh, I should have raised more in the beginning because there was an opportunity raised to raise more at that point, but I just thought, okay, this is, this is like from the first phase for the first six months later, I learned that you always need to raise for like, well, ideally for 18 months, but at least for nine months. Um, but that was, I mean, I was a rookie as well. You make some rookie mistakes, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's proper. You cannot know everything beforehand when you start fresh and new. No, no, absolutely not. Um, so, uh, that was the very first, uh, first, uh, funding. And then, uh, I think about a year later, a little bit less than a year, I think 11 months later, we had our second round, which was 360,000. And that gave that that gave us um, enough to really build the platform. Yeah, so you started. I mean, it's good to have a start. Yeah. So sixty thousand euros, you have a start. You can start. You can do things, and then you realize you need more money. Yeah. <laughs> because you're building a platform, and you need, of course, hire people, and you know. Yeah. Well, I, I thought I'm just we're just gonna start lean and mean and build a like pilot thing, lean and mean and see how far we get with that. Um, because that's also like the startup way, right? You start testing before you get up, get more money. So I think the idea was good. It was just like a little bit too tight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, I think it's the lessons along the way. Absolutely, absolutely. You know? <laughs> that you learn like, okay, a little bit more would be helpful. Yeah. So when you come up to the point that you think, okay, we need to do the next round, yeah. How did you approach that? Yeah, so um, uh, in the beginning, actually, for, for the next round at that point, I was very much orienta- orienting, like, what does the funding world look like? Um, so I went to um, uh, Amsterdam Capital House. We have, like, a lot of different investors and founders walking around just to learn, really. Um, and, um, so what, like, I was looking at funds and, um, from there first I thought, okay, well, we're going to go for like more government subsidy kind of route. Um, but there actually, I also bumped into like via, 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 uh, uh, I spoke with this like FinTech fund, um, which was, Clearly, we didn't we didn't meet meet all the criteria. We were too early stage. We were like too impact driven. Uh, looking at their website, but I just wanted to learn also, like maybe in the next phase, what are the I want to prevent us making stupid mistakes now that would hinder us in the next phase. Um, and they said they were really interested. 
Um, but not everything is visible on the website, of, of course. And they turned out they had an impact fund and they were really interested in our proposal and they decided to invest. So actually that went, yeah, quite easy. Uh, and I think it was just lucky in a way, I guess. Um, and I had a good feeling. Uh, these were really nice people. They had good questions. They were critical. Um, and I thought, okay, I don't, I don't think I'm going to set up this whole round again because actually this, I kind of bumped into them and, um, yeah, let's go. Uh, so that was in a way, it was really lucky. And of course we already had some investors, uh, on board who said, okay, they wanted to also invest in the second phase. So that, that okay. made it, that made it easier. Um, so that actually went very smooth, very easy. And how much did they invest? Um, at that point, yeah. it was at that point it was three hundred thousand. Okay, they had three hundred thousand, and you have another different uh, angel investors as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah, who invested the sixty thousand and yeah, let's go to be continued. This was part one. Sandra, thank you so much for this interview. Thank you so much for having me. This was an episode of the 1 Million Euro Stories. There is a new world to unlock. Let's believe. Let's be bold. Let's be fierce. Let us open a new door. I am Aris from the 1 million euro stories. Thank you for listening. And if you want to make sure that you know when a new episode comes out, from the 1 million euro stories click on subscribe on your podcast app and you will be notified when a new episode comes out thank you for listening and i will see you next time